This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies for building happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should get rid of something as soon as it's useless and how to handle it when everything turns to ashes. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, whose signature color, I recently discovered, is Lily Pulitzer Green, something I learned about her through the podcast. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and Gretchen, I have to tell you, since uh, saying my signature color is Lily Pulitzer Green, I realize I don't have anything that color. (laughs) <laughs> and I am feeling a lot of pressure to get something that color. So now I'm just like, I need to get my signature color. I need to get my signature color. Um, yeah. So I'll be doing that. But um, we've had so many responses already um, about oh, yeah. this um, signature color that I want to let everyone know we're going to do a deep dive in a few weeks where we just talk about everyone's signature colors and 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 really get into it because it's been fascinating. Yeah, and how they and it's so interesting how they got to their signature color, how they manifest their signature color. Families have signature colors. Um, it, it's really been it's really been fascinating, and I I love learning. And 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 the photographs are so like here's my kitchen backsplash, here's my notebook, um, here are my toenails painted metallic green. Um, so yeah, it's been such a fun fun try this at home. Um, to get response to. Yeah, keep the photos coming with these because they're just so, they're so great to see. Yeah, yeah. And then Gretchen, I wanted to let you know, um, recently on the podcast, I gave myself a demerit for screaming at Adam because he didn't like the fabric <laughs> I, I, I presented to him uh, for our banquette. That was episode 71, I believe. So I just wanted to report that we have ordered fabric. Okay, so that's done. Um, (laughs) And I don't know, should anyone be interested, I will let you know, Gretch, that we actually went back to our original fabric choice and decided we're just going to wait the 10 weeks or whatever it's going to take. So I'm really happy because I love that fabric. I realized part of why I got so upset about him not liking the new fabric choices was that I had really liked the old fabric choice. Ah. So um, you, you know what I mean? I was just upset about the whole situation. Mm. Um, but what Adam didn't realize is that we're going to have to wait six weeks probably for a table anyway. So why not just wait the time for the fabric we want? Right. So anyway, we're all resolved in that area, and I feel great relief. So I can move on to the next house thing, which, by the way, I don't <laughs> want to overstress like how much I'm doing. I'm doing very little related to the house. Adam's doing like 95% of it, and with good reason, as we can see. It takes a lot out of you. It's just not my milieu. <laughs> But I think it's I think you've developed kind of a Zen attitude toward it, which is like the house will unfold when the house unfolds and the banquette will come to being it will come to this world in in a, in the time that it takes. And so uh, I, I, I admire the fact that you just sort of let go of timelines and expectations and yes, and you're I just really like have. letting it happen. I really have. <laughs> 
Well, sort of like in this zone of stuff, Elizabeth, is our Try This at Home tip this week, which is to get rid of something as soon as it becomes useless, which is weirdly much harder to do than it sounds. Oh, yeah. There's the thing of you, you're like, if I throw this away in a month, am I going to be completely devastated when I realize that I really needed this thing? And, and I think that's the thing that stops a lot of people from get rid of something as soon as it's useless. And that's why I think you, it really is important to look at a thing and say, given the situation with this possession right now, does it have any value anymore? Even if it's 90% perfectly good, sometimes something, you know, for the want of a nail, the horse was lost and the battle was lost. Sometimes like something becomes useless and valueless. Um, and, and there's sort of nothing to be done about it. So, and, and one of the most striking examples of this to me was I was uh, I think it was in law school um, and uh, I was on a sailboat with a friend and he had taken off his sneakers and, you know, had them, you know, on the deck and we were sailing along and somehow one of his sneakers got uh, knocked into the water. And he immediately picked up the other shoe and threw it overboard. Now, the, now of course, that's shocking because it's kind of littering in the ocean. But it was also, I was kind of like, but, but that shoe is perfectly good. But he had recognized immediately it was totally valueless. The fact that you had one right shoe that was totally good. I mean, there's no way to give that away. There's no way, like no one else, what are you going to do, right. like make a planter out of it or something? I mean. I was just going to say, turn it into a, a planter <laughs> is the only possibility. I've seen, I've seen rain boots turned into planters, but um, I have. I've never seen sneakers <laughs> turn into Flanders. Yeah, not an old smelly. <laughs> yes, and, and but but he realized right away that it was valueless and um and got rid of it though he should have put it away properly. But um, it's funny you have that example because um I remember that Wild by Cheryl Strayed, which a book I love. Um, I believe it opens with her the same thing happening. She's on a, the hiking trail, her boot goes over. a some sort of cliff, one of her hiking boots, and she just takes off the other one and tosses it over. Yeah. And then has to keep hiking to her next stop in like her shower shoes that she <laughs> duct tapes. But it's like so shocking. It's like, but this boot is like keeping you from, you know, the elements and you just toss it over. Now, in that case, I will say there's a lot of going on with the boots. Like they don't fit right. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. it was also kind of a cathartic moment for her yeah. just to get rid of it. Yeah. But it just was funny that this whole one shoe thing yeah. kind of comes up. But and, and absolutely. And it comes up with other things like, okay, you have a blender. It's a perfectly good blender, except like there's no lid to it. And you're like, okay, well, really, what are you going to do with a, you know, maybe some people could gin up some kind of solution to that. But if practically speaking, you're not going to use a, bl a blender without a lid, then it doesn't matter that the rest of the blender is good. Right. Or you've got a cord and you're like, this is a perfectly good cord. I don't know what it goes to, but you know, I have so many of those. And keys. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, keys. How many? I have like 20 keys. Yes. But if you don't know what they go to, they're useless. Right. And you feel, but you feel so scared. What I did, um, which is like, because I, I okay, so here I'm going to violate our, the tried this at home that we were recommending, which is that I, I find it too painful to get rid of a key. So what I did is I put all the mystery keys in one little bag. And so at least I feel like if I'm looking for a key, I will know where it is. Mm. And... I don't run across Mr. Keys all over my house and have that thrill of dissatisfaction and uneasiness when I see that like lonely anonymous key. At least they're all like together hanging out in a drawer. Yeah. Out of sight. And so because you're right, it is totally valueless. What is a key without something to unlock? Yeah. And here, here's a crazy example. You know, because sometimes things like they sort of have residual. You feel like they're still valuable because they were once valuable or they're they're valuable in some way. So. When I was writing the Happiness Project, a bit, you know, a symbol for happiness is the bluebird. And there's a very famous play called The Bluebird, um, which I love. And so as kind of part of my, uh, you know, happiness project stuff, I have a VHS tape of the Shirley Temple version of The Bluebird, which I get it. I love a Shirley Temple movie. What can I say? Um, and so... But we don't have a VHS player anymore right? because of an incomplete upgrade. Jamie did an incomplete upgrade because I was like, oh, my gosh, I really want to have a VHS player. And he's like, well, I got rid of everything. I'm like, OK, well, now we don't have a VHS player. 
So I should I should resi- I should give that away because there's somebody out there who still has a VHS player who would like to watch the, the the Bluebird, but to us it is useless. I have no way to use it in our house. So why am I hanging on to it? I should get rid of it. By the way, I think there are very few people with VHS players. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a Betamax at this point, um, <laughs> the, which a lot of people probably haven't heard of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking around our house like, okay, what scanning, you know, for yeah. what what do we have that's useless? Um and just, you know, in about 5 minutes, I I discovered a watch that I have that's like sit has been sitting on like one like on a corner of my desk for like 5 years because <laughs> the battery's dead. It's not a particularly nice watch. It was like a gift from a studio, like, you know, so it's like, but it's engraved with like the name of the studio. But so it's like, it is useless to me because it doesn't have a battery. Could I get it fixed? Yes. But I have a nice watch. So will I ever in a million years wear this watch? No. I mean, it's just useless. Like it's never going to be anything, but I can't get rid of it because I'm like, well, it's a watch, you know, it seems so valuable. And it, because it has a studio name, there's kind of a sentimental value. I don't know why, though. Um, and then I also, you know, we have this fax machine. I think it's a fax machine. I'm not even sure. I don't know if it works or not, but I don't think we've ever faxed anything, you know. Um, it takes a lot of space. And you need a dedicated phone line for a fax machine to work. So it's not even like like a shredder where you could find you could just plug it in and find out if it works. Like you'd actually have to like attach it to your home system in some way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know what? I bet it's a fax and a scanner. And now that we have a phone <laughs> scanner, we really don't need this. I'm going to discuss this with Adam and advocate getting rid of it because it is not a small item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Gretchen, that I have discovered, and this is something I'm going to try to take care of today, is that we have a collection of travel mugs that don't have lids. Ah, we ha- What's more useless than a travel mug that either doesn't have a lid or has a lid that doesn't screw on properly because it got melted in the dishwasher? I mean, there's no point in having that. So I'm just going to throw them all out. Well, it's funny because that's such an L.A. problem. Like, I don't have a tra- – we don't have travel mugs because uh, it's for driving, right? Yes, yes. So I'm just going to – I'm going to do – you know, I'm going to force myself to toss those, create a little space. Well, I think you put your finger on, uh, like, something that makes it hard to decide that something's useless and then to either toss it or to give it away to somebody who can use it because – we have this sense that things should be used up. Like you want to feel like something has been used to its full extent. And so if you're like, well, this shoe has plenty of good wear in it, even though I lost the mate, or this blender would still mm-hmm. work fine if it had its lid, or this travel mug would still be a travel mug if it had a lid. It doesn't feel properly used up. And I feel enormous relief when something actually definitively breaks or is completely worn out. Like when we replaced the car- our carpet, mm-hmm. we had holes in our carpet, like visible <laughs> holes with like strings hanging yeah. out. And I found that I was like, I'm like, why do I get so much satisfaction out of these holes in my carpet? Because most people would be really embarrassed. But I'm like, look at that. This is excellent. And I realized it's because I was like, this is worn out. Like we have gotten good use from this carpet. It has served us well. And now it's like, it's not just, oh, like, oh, it's time for a new carpet. It's like we need a new carpet because this thing is disintegrating under our feet. So when something doesn't feel properly used up, then it doesn't feel like it's achieved that useless state. And then even if it is useless, and that's why I feel like it's hard sometimes to admit that something is truly useless. That reminds me of um, years ago, right when I started dating Adam, I had this, I had a Volkswagen Golf uh, that I loved, this little car. Um, And he had been saying, you really need a new car. And I'm like, well, do I? I don't know. This is perfectly fine. That kind of thing. And then for some reason, I was driving Sarah home, which is rare because I like never drive Sarah. Um, She drives me. But um, she opened the door to get out and the door just fell off. (laughs) Um, 
and it was like, like it just it was felt like one hinge, I think. But it was like she just opened it, and it was like clunk. And we were like, "What happened?" And, um, and I was like, "Well, that's done." You know, like if this car is not a car where I'm going to go in and like have my door replaced or whatever. Right. Um, so it was like, so it was such a defining moment, you know, it was just like, that's the end of the car. Yes. Um, and it was just so funny. I remember Sarah and I were just laughing so hard about it. She's like, wow, I'm stronger than I realized. (laughs) Um, and so we like, you know, put twine around it or bungee cords or something. And I told Adam, I'm like, my door fell off and he's like, okay, we're getting you a new car. So the next day I got, um, I got a new car and then I gave that car to like NPR. Cause you know, you can donate your car and yeah. I sell it for parts or something. So it was like, great. Cause I was like, okay, it was useful to somebody else. No longer useful to me. Um, and I had no guilt about it because I felt that I had, as you're saying, used it up. Well, and that's a great example of the fact that if you can take something and give it to someone else who can make use of it, who is going to make the sneaker into a planter or who is going to make good use of the car, right? It, it's so much more satisfying. And so I think one thing is to say, like, well, if it has any use, is there somebody who could use it? But if I can't use it and nobody else can use it, then it's truly useless. And so why am I hanging on to it? And, and you know, the reason that I think all this matters is I think that that we just have this happier, lighter feeling when we aren't surrounded by things that we can't use and that we don't use or that are just sort of misfit or or like, you know, the anonymous keys that give you this like bad feeling every time you see them. And and um and there's just something really freeing about getting rid of that. First of all, you have more room, so that's always nice. But you get them off your shelves, but you also get them off your conscience because there's sort of this bad feeling like, why can I, how can I buy a new travel mug when I have five travel mugs? But really, when you look at those travel mugs, none of them really work. And so you're kind of in this state of perpetual dissatisfaction. Um, you know, I'm working at my for my design my summer. I'm working on that book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, <laughs> and I'm having so much fun. Because it's such a fun thing to think about. And and I so I've been thinking a lot about this, what's useless. And it is crazy. Like, I feel like I think about this stuff all the time. And I'm walking around the apartment and I'm seeing stuff where I'm like, why do I have this? What's this? Why do I why did I keep this book? I didn't even like this book. I didn't finish this book. Why is it on my shelf? Like, give it to Housing Works. Maybe somebody else wants to read it. Um, it's it's sort of a, it's it's harder than it sounds to get rid of things that are useless. Oh, yeah. I think it's really hard, but but useful to do. Yes. Uh, so let us know if you try this at home, if you get rid of something useless, what it was and how you managed to acknowledge its uselessness and, and move it on its way. Um, we're on Twitter, uh, Facebook, email us at Gretchen uh, uh, at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 73 because this is episode 73 uh, for any images or links, uh, anything like that related to this episode. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Elizabeth, a few episodes ago, uh, you said that everything had turned to ashes uh, when you were updating us about what was going on uh, in your work life. And definitely, this is a happiness stumbling block that I think we've all experienced when there's not just one thing that's going wrong, but like several things that are going wrong at one time. And you have that feeling like everything's turning to ashes around me. Um, And it's a big 
happiness stumbling block. So what did you do to help yourself get through that period? Because you've kind of come out the other side now, which is good. Um, So how'd you get through it? Well, uh, just to remind everyone, what happened is I had like three different creative projects, Sarah and I did, going on. We had, um, and within the space of, I think it was maybe five days or maybe 10 days, um, the show we had been working on, The Family, got canceled uh, the pilot Sarah and I had executive produced did not go to series. Yeah, Elizabeth, that was episode 60. Uh, Henry and I visited you on the set while you were shooting that pilot. And so that, that, that's very sad. Yeah. And it was a, it was a great experience. It was really sad that didn't go to series. And then Sarah and I pitched a show, um, of our own, uh, that we had been working on for months, this pitch, and we're really invested in it, really passionate about it, and we did not sell it. So it was like we had all so many things going on and possibilities, and then and then <laughs> as I said to you, it just felt like everything we touched just like crumbled to ash. <laughs> um, and we yeah. were, you know, we were pretty bummed out um, and defeated and just felt like, what are we even doing? Why are we here? Let's, you know, Sarah's like, I need to move to North Carolina, you know. That's her alternate reality, right? It's like she, that she has like her alternate reality where she lives in North Carolina, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Where she's in Asheville. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause she loves Asheville, um, <laughs> as everyone does. Um, and, but, you know, I, what we did is it's funny. We, because I think we kind of went away from each other. Sarah was going to Minnesota for a few days that had been scheduled. So it's like we kind of just went to our own corners. We texted, but we didn't even talk to each other because I think we just both needed to process this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of went hiking. I saw friends. I watched a lot of reality TV. I read a couple <laughs> books. That's always helpful, like just fun novels. Um, and um, so just kind of let it go, you know, over time and refreshed. Um, and then we came back together and started sort of going, okay, here we are. What now? And it was, we were still feeling defeated at the beginning. Like, oh gosh, like here, we're going to start a whole new season of who knows what, and it's probably going to fail. And, you know, we don't know, like nobody wants what we're selling and all this stuff. And then, um, it's just started picking up and we started feeling good again. And now, you know, we're in an awesome place. Well, it sounds like what you did was really constructive and that you did a lot of sort of happiness project type things, which is like hiking, which where that's like it's exercise, which lifts people's moods and you're outside in nature and that lifts people's moods. And, you know, uh, you're making time for yourself and that lifts people's moods. And you saw friends. It's interesting because I think sometimes when people have that that everything's turning to ashes feelings. It, it causes a lot of people to want to retreat and kind of stay isolated and maybe like stay home on the couch with the remote control and just like you feel like I can't deal with seeing people. I don't want to make plans. I don't want to like talk to anybody. But usually it really lifts people's spirits to see to see friends. Did you did you have to push yourself to see friends or were you like, oh, this is this is excellent. Now I have this opportunity to kind of catch up with some people that I wanted to catch up with. Was that did you did it take a lot of effort to get yourself to do that or did you do that naturally? I think I did that naturally. I think I, I think I, that's a place I go to naturally. Um, I think Sarah has to push herself a little more, you know, mm. um, I think she's more of a retreater. Yeah. Uh, but, and I have to say, Gretchen, yesterday, you know, I, I was like obsessed with the OJ Simpson trial. I watched the entire trial. I've read a lot about it. Oh um, yeah. Et cetera. You know. Oh yeah. Um, and yesterday Sarah and I ended up meeting Marsha Clark, who was a prosecutor in the trial. Um, oh my gosh. To talk about something. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, okay, so here I am. Like if all those projects had been going on, I would not have been sitting here meeting with Marsha Clark because I wouldn't have been available to meet. And that was a total, you know, bucket list type moment. <laughs> so you know, I, I was like, okay, we've emerged the other side. Right, right. right. Some people want to meet Taylor Swift or Oprah, and you're like, I really want to meet Marsha Clark, and it's happening. <laughs> yeah. And she's awesome, by the way. <laughs> so now I feel like Sarah and I are in the Phoenix part of the Phoenix rising from the ashes, you know. 
Yes. Yeah. That's a good name for it. The Phoenix phase. We're in the Phoenix phase. Or it's like a friend of mine, like whenever he doesn't have a job, he says, I'm between opportunities. I'm like, oh, that's such a good phrase. Between opportunities. Oh, um, that's good. But so the atmosphere of growth. So when you think about a happy life, you can think about feeling good, which is having more fun and more excitement, more enthusiasm, feeling bad, which is like having less guilt, less boredom, less anger, feeling right, which is making sure that your life reflects your values. And then there's also atmosphere of growth, which is when um, you feel like you're learning something or helping someone or doing something. And the atmosphere of growth is always available to us, like even when you're in your darkest point, because sometimes it's not possible to be happy. Like you've just had a whole big run of bad luck and work. It's going to be hard to be happy or you're having a big health challenge. It's hard to be happy. But it's like the question I think becomes, how can we be as happy as we can be under the circumstances, just like you're like, if I go hiking and see friends, it's going to help me be as happy as I can be, even though I'm still processing all this this bad news that I've gotten at work. And I have a friend who had a similar kind of everything's turning to ashes period where she got rejected from a grad school program she really wanted to go to. Her longtime boyfriend broke up with her and she was fired from a job in the space of like three weeks. Um, and I Ooh. said to her late, everything has worked out wow. fine. And, but I said to her later, I was like, how did you get through that? Sort of the same question I asked you. And she said, I was practically addicted to doing good deeds. So for her, that was a way to make herself feel better was mm. to try to think of how she could do things to help other people. And I thought, well, that's a really constructive way when you have that feeling that everything's turning to ashes. You can remind yeah. yourself, even though I'm facing all these negatives, I can help somebody else. And so and that reminds you of your power to like do good in the world. And that's, that's, uh, you know, makes a person feel a lot better. And, you know, doing this podcast, Gretchen, helped me a lot because it was a really, it, that's just pure fun and, and positivity. So it was like, oh, but I'm recording the podcast. I'm seeing Gretchen. I came and visited you in New York, yep. you know. Um, well, this isn't then the happiness research points to that too because it's a, it's like when people have multiple identities, they're they, it's it's easier for them to like stay stay cheerful or like you know you know not to be dragged down because if you only have a few identities, if something goes wrong, like if you get fired, then it's like you feel it, that hits you so hard. But if you have multiple identities, you can be like, well, this went wrong, but the podcast going great, or you know, at work I'm getting all this criticism, but in the parents' association, everybody thinks I'm doing a terrific job. You know, like the more identities you have, like that, kind of um, the easier it is to take a hit because each one thing is just you know it's one of many instead of one of few. Yeah. And, you know, people always love to just say, you know, this too shall pass. It's like right now everything is ash, but it will change. Now, here's a question for you. Like when you were going through this ashes period, it's interesting because you because Sarah is going through exactly the same thing as you are. So does that help or hurt? And then also Adam, your husband, is in the same profession. Did that make it easier or harder? Like having these people that are that are like not that far away from what you were going through. How did that, how did that affect it? Um, I think with Adam, it's very helpful because he just understands it and he can put it in perspective, you know, um, because he does, as you said, exactly the same thing. He's been through everything I've been through. So um, that's very helpful. <laughs> um, I think with Sarah, it's both. It's helpful because we can really commiserate. But then I think also like I'll feel bad that she feels bad, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure she feels bad that I feel bad. Um, so I think it's both. It's both. It's helpful, but it also can compound it. But uh, I think, you know, whenever you're going through anything, you want to be able to talk to people who understand, though. Right. Ultimately. Well, and since your thing was a work thing, it's sort of a technical problem. Whereas even even if I had tremendous empathy for you and felt bad that you felt bad, I can't really talk to you about it in this like in a very nuanced way because there's just so much I don't understand about how it all works. Like, what's the significance of this or why? Oh, so-and-so said that and that's terrible, but I don't really understand. So right. I'm not maybe not as good, a, not as perceptive a listener. Even if my heart's in the right place, I just don't really know what you're talking about as much as like Adam would totally understand the like real subtleties. Like, he said he was going to call us. He didn't say he was going to put in a call. And that means X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? There's all these, if you really know what you're talking about, like there's all these like little significance. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Um, 
Well, I mean, it's good to hear that you've come through it because um, hearing someone that you love say everything's turned to ashes. Is, right. Yes, I, you did. You went through a really. Isn't that, yeah, you're right. It's not like in our family update. Well, everyone, my life has turned to ashes. Uh, yeah. In other news, it's 75 degrees. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, sunny in L.A. Yeah, yeah. It was a very localized turn to ashes, I would say. So maybe that's good, too. Like it wasn't yeah, like. Yeah, everything else was fine. Everything else was fine. And that was, and you reminded yourself of that when we were talking about it. I remember you saying to me, well, all I have to remember is like everybody's in good health. Everything's going great. You know, um, doing all that gratitude practice, which is very key at these times, too. We can't neglect to mention that, that if you think of all the things you have to be grateful for, that can help uh, make you feel a lot better as well. And you were definitely doing that. Um, you had a highly, highly concentrated. Um, but now you're through it. Uh, fortunately, that happiness stumbling block is behind you, at least for now. Yes. Yes. For now. For now. <laughs> it's Hollywood, baby. Until the next Yes. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Harry? Professor. Sir, your bird. There was nothing I could do. He... He just caught fire. Oh, and about time, too. He's been looking dreadful for days. Pity you had to see him on a burning day. Fox is a phoenix, Harry. They burst into flame when it is time for them to die. And then they are reborn from the ashes. Ah, fascinating creatures, phoenixes. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a listener question. And I want to remind everybody that they can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. And this week, Gretch, we have a voicemail. Let's take a listen. This is Whitney, and I was just calling with a question. I have a very, very sweet mother-in-law who I love a lot. I mean, I feel like we know each other pretty well, but sometimes, obviously, we, I guess we don't know each other as well as we think. Um, And she buys me really, really sweet birthday gifts that I normally don't really, like, need or like or particularly want, which is fine. I know it's the thought that counts. I don't care at all. Like, I just appreciate her thinking of me on my birthday. However, this year, um, I'm about to have my second baby, and my birthday is tomorrow. And she sent me a birthday gift a few days ago that when I got the box, my heart just sank because it was a new diaper bag from a pretty well-known diaper bag company, which is a really, really, really nice, expensive gift that I I just don't need it. I I have a different diaper bag, and to be totally honest, I use a backpack because diaper bags are just too bulky. So normally, you know, if she gets me something I don't like, it's not a big deal because she doesn't see me very often. We live like 24 hours apart, but since I'm about to have a second baby, we're going to go visit after the baby is born, and I'm going to see her a lot, and I know she's going to be wondering how come Whitney's not using this diaper bag that I bought her, and I just don't know what to do. I feel like I should call her and maybe let her know that I really appreciate the gesture and that's not really something I need, or I could also just let it be. I, If I do call her, I don't really know how to say that in a way that is showing her how much I really appreciate the gesture. Um, I was just wondering if you had any advice for me because it kind of has been stressing me out a little bit. Thank you. Have a good day. That's a really interesting question. I mean, I think we've all been there. Yeah, it comes up a lot. Yeah, you get a lovely, thoughtful gift that either you don't use or like it's so much not your taste that you feel like I'm going to be denying a profound sense of self (laughs) if I wear this t-shirt or, you know, carry this bag or whatever. Um, 
So there's two questions. It seems like there's two issues here. One is the question presented is, which is, what do you do? What does Whitney do about the diaper bag? And then the second question is, like, what's really going on here? It feels very loaded and emotional, which suggests that it's there's it's a deeper issue than just like, what do I do about the diaper bag? So, Elizabeth, first of all, what do you think she should do about the diaper bag as an initial question? I strongly feel she should take the diaper bag when she visits her mother-in-law and use it there Uh, because why not? It's just so easy and take it with you. And then you can also take a backpack so you can bring the diaper bag to the house and have all kinds of stuff in it and sort of use it at the house if you're staying with her. And then if you guys go out to a restaurant or something, just like, oh, I'm just going to bring my backpack. Um, I just think, I don't know. I just don't see any downside to that. I've been thinking about this a lot because one of these like these ideas that I'm really kind of obsessed with is this idea that sometimes we can be generous by taking and sometimes we need to allow others to give to us. Um, sometimes even when we don't really want something, but, but the only way that someone can have the pleasure of giving is if we, if we accept. Right. And so I think sometimes you do, you do accept something that maybe you don't necessarily want or need or that you don't feel like is truly like an expression of yourself. I feel like a diaper bag is a lot like a wallet. It feels like, you know, like it's something that really reflects your taste. And so if there's a mismatch there. Oh, absolutely. It feels wrong. Like in a way that something, like if somebody gave you, I don't know, like, like, uh, you know, a notepad. I don't know. It just it feels connected to your to your expression of yourself. But I, I think you're right. Like, clearly she sees that the mother-in-law is well-intended and means it out of love. And so I think I agree with you. I feel like kind of the loving thing is to accept it and use it so that the mother-in-law has the pleasure of saying, I gave her a gift, you know, for around her birthday and for the birth of the second child and and to give her the pleasure of having given to you. Yeah, because she doesn't have to use it. I'm not saying she should. That should be her diaper bag. It's just yeah. take it with you when you visit. It's, yeah. It seems manageable. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, it's not something like I'm going to give you a couch or something like that, where it, it's it's so big and so intrusive. Right. And then hopefully you can hopefully you can yeah. find somebody then who will be like really excited to have this uh, expensive, well known brand diaper bag, you know, so that you can give it, put give yeah. it to a good home. Um, but it seems to me, Elizabeth, that th- this feels emotionally charged in a way that goes beyond the diaper bag. And I and I wonder if it does go to this question of identity, because a couple of times Whitney sort of mentioned the idea, like, we love each other, but she sort of maybe doesn't really know who I am. And so maybe, again, it's like she feels like the mother-in-law is buying gifts for, like, a fantasy person. Mm. Like, she's not seeing who Whitney really mm. is. Um, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I, and I, I think about the time when I was with mom and we were in like some store that was having a big sale and mom was like showing me these linen cocktail napkins that were like embroidered with these, you know, monkeys. And she's like, wow, this is a real, they're really on sale. Do you want, do you want to get these? And I was almost like, yes. And then I was like, what am I thinking? Like in what possible future would I use a linen cocktail napkin? I mean, I can't think of it like. That's so far beyond my range, but it was like, right. but if she had given them to me, I would have felt like, I'm sorry, have we ever met each other? You know what I mean? Right, right, it's right. It's like, I'm, you have a fantasy, I mean, this is not who I am. I'm not the linen cocktail person. Yeah. I will say mom is really good about saying, if you return this, it will not hurt my feelings. I won't even know you yes. returned it. Do not keep this item. Yes, because I gave it to you. I don't care. Yes. No, she says that when she gives gives to Eliza and Eleanor, because Eliza especially is big enough now. She's got her own. She can't, like, I remember the pair of pajamas. She's like, here's the receipt. If you're not going to wear them, like, please. Yes, absolutely. But I think there is that feeling. And, and that's where gift giving can bring up, I feel like, a lot of weird emotions sometimes. Because, because of course, there's like the passive aggressive gift, which is I'm going to give you this digital scale or I'm going to give you this Fitbit, you know, uh, hint, 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 like, oh, that's subtle. Or um, I'm going to give you a book, even though you never read because like, oh, hint, hint, I think you should be, you know, whatever, uh, like to a kid. Um, Like, I'm going to give you uh, Pride and Prejudice because I don't think you read enough or whatever. Um, So sometimes gifts can, can rouse these uncomfortable emotions in us. And then there's the loving gift that just for whatever reason makes us feel weird about ourselves or about the relationship, which clearly was happening here. And, you know, it also could be, Gretch, that she's about to have her second baby. She might be feeling a lot of fear, anxiety, you know, excitement, terror, everything all at once. 
And it could be that it all just kind of zeroed in on this diaper bag. Yes. And it was oh my like gosh. the straw that broke the camel's back. Like when Adam and I moved into our house, I was so overwhelmed. And I got these curtains and they were like, I was in Kansas City and Adam was in LA. And he was like, oh, they hung the curtains are too long. And I just like bawled and like put my, <laughs> my head in mom's lap and just cried and cried. I'm like, I can't take it. The curtains are too long. I just can't take it. And you know what I mean? It's like, they're just like a, like something just snaps. Yes. Yeah. No, that's true. And it could just be that this has become kind of the, the, the symbolic, it's been freighted with all of the weight of all of the emotions that are swirling around in this complicated situation. Um, so, I mean, I, ho- I hope that's helpful for Whitney because on, because on the one hand, you don't want to feel like you're denying some incredibly important part of yourself. Like, I'm not going to be converted to somebody somebody else's diaper bag method. That's like saying somebody has to move to a digital calendar from a paper calendar. It's like it's so close to you and how you like to work. Um, but on the other hand, you can be generous by taking and you, and sometimes the loving thing to do is to accept. And here, like you say, it feels like it's manageable. It's a limited time kind of thing. Yeah. And if for whatever reason, she just can't bring herself to do it and she feels she has to call her and say something, then I would just say to stress how it's the most beautiful diaper bag you've ever seen. But you found that, you know, your shoulder hurts when you use a diaper bag and you have to use a backpack, you know, Um, and just really make it about the practicality of the backpack and not about this diaper bag. But I still recommend just using the diaper bag. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. On the baby. Yeah. 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 Focus there. You're getting the new baby. That's true. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up for the demerit. What happiness-related demerit do you have? Yes. Um, Gretch, this is like an inertia demerit. Um, Mm. I... You know, I'm type one diabetic. I've mentioned it many times on the podcast. Um, and I typically go to see my doctor every six weeks. Um, and, you know, check in with him and look at my numbers, et cetera, et cetera. And I have just not gone now for, well, I want to say a couple of months, but I think it's actually maybe like, over three months anyway. And it's like, I need to go just because it, as you know, monitoring, it just keeps me on a good track to see him. Mm -hmm. It's not that anything like devastating happens when I don't see him for a while, but it's just not a good habit to be in. You Mm -hmm. know, it, it, it makes it easy for me to kind of get slack with my numbers. Mm, Yeah. Uh, when I say my numbers, I mean my blood sugar numbers, um, which I, you know, monitor, on a you know wireless monitor 24 hours a day. Um, so, and I think it's just, I mean, it might be part of what we're talking about with the everything turning to ashes. So there's <laughs> yeah. a certain amount of just um, heaviness that set in of like, oh, I don't want to deal with stuff. And he, this is the biggest problem. Uh, he is, his office is in Beverly Hills uh-huh. and it's really hard to get there. I mean, it's like an hour drive. Oh my easily. gosh. Wow. And 
that's and yet I'm not willing to change doctors because I love my doctor and he's just a very safe, you know, place for me. I, I it's not like I'd be like, oh, I'll just get someone in the valley. Right. No, I'm not going to change doctors. So that's my demerit. I will say, because I knew I had this demerit coming up, I forced <laughs> myself to get an appointment on the books. So I do have an appointment on the books. So this is a demerit that's going to end soon. Well, I mean, in this, I mean, and I think sometimes we we hear from listeners who are like, oh, you guys shouldn't give yourself so many, so many demerits. But the the whole idea of demerits is that by looking for places in our lives where we feel like we have earned a demerit, then that helps you by just identifying a demerit. Then you're like, okay, well, how can I fix it? And so by saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to get a demerit for this. So now I'm like, that is like a spur that is going to get you to get that appointment on the book. So it worked. Giving the demerit actually had a good result. It did. Yes. Um, So here, but here's the thing. So you've got an appointment. That's fantastic. And I don't think, I think it's important with a doctor to see him in person, but do you think like, Maybe in such a situation, you could talk to him over on the phone because, I mean, an hour there and an hour back, I mean, that that is hard to do sometimes, just like even with the best will in the world, that can be hard to manage, I would I would say. Um, could you do it by phone? Like, Yeah, uh, possibly if there's a way for me to down him to download my information. It's like a whole there. Here we get back into the tech mm. world of it all. Hmm. Um, I think there is a way probably for me to send him my numbers from my monitor, Hmm. but you know, it feels like overwhelming to me to figure out how to do that. But maybe I'll ask him that at this next appointment. He's very easy to talk to. So, um, so I should ask him because I'm sure he's going to comment on the fact this is the longest I've ever gone without seeing him. Ah, well, I mean, and because you're an obliger, I think it would be good. Like, it would have been, I, I mean, maybe it's too much to expect a doctor's office to, like, send you the, like, we haven't seen you in a while. But I bet if they were, if you knew, if you, if they did that, or if you even knew that they did that, I bet you would be, not have gone as long. Oh, completely. Because you would have felt like, my doctor is, like, saying to himself, where's, where's Elizabeth, you know? Um, Oh, absolutely no. I was flying under the radar and I was like, well, nobody's contacting me uh-huh. saying I should come in. Yeah. But of course, it's really my job. It's not right. their job. But um, 100%, if they'd emailed me, I would have been in the next day. That, that's the thing. I mean, that's like because I hear sometimes from doctors and healthcare professionals about the four tendencies. And I'm just like, obligers need this account. Like, this account, they really respond to accountability. And I get that it's hard to create it and can be like expensive and time consuming. But it really makes a difference for a lot of people if they that, that accountability. Um, but you've got your appointment, so you're back on track. Yes, excellent, excellent. I'm back on track. So, Gretch, now what is your gold star this week? Now, this is like such a great gold star. I'm so excited to talk about it. So, you know, I love all libraries. I'm like a library fanatic. I was just yes. at the library yesterday, in fact, checking out books. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the New York Public Library. It is like the most incredible treasure trove. It has everything from like. Slavic language, you know, archives to like English as a second language and, you know, teen hangout places and here's how you write your resume and all this stuff. So it's something for everybody. It's all free. It's amazing. And now they have this new resource, which I'd kind of heard about, but I finally like early one Saturday morning went to check out like, I don't know why. And it is amazing. So they have all these digital, they have this whole digital collection of digital images. These are images that have been digitized. So you can just flip through them and they're incredibly categorized by like collection, by publisher, by like theme, like it could be if it's maps or it's soldiers or it's New York City menus or whatever, all these different kind of cool collections. And there's this whole Air, like gigantic trove of stuff that's free. And if you can, you can check a box for things that are in the public domain. And when you click on that, like a million stuff, all this cool stuff comes up. And it's set and it has like this kind of image, this kind of image. If you want to order an art print, like you, that you have to pay for, but like you can get it as a mural. You can get it as like a thing that you could frame to put above your, you know, above in your bathroom. Um, oh, wow. and you can use it. And all, at the bottom, it's like the magic words free to use without restriction. Wow. These are images that they are just like, this is for you and all these, like, you want to, you know, you're doing, you're do- self-publishing a book. Here's a cover you could use. I mean, it is amazing. Wow. Um, and it's, and that is a huge reason. No, I mean, I was, so my agent um, is uh, like, I, I like, I couldn't believe how amazing it was. So um, like at six in the morning on a Saturday, I'm like, 
I can't help myself. I have to email you. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, take a look at this one. And then like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I know I have to stop, but I cannot get over it, how beautiful this is. Um, and so um, and if you want to know an example of one that I think is particularly beautiful, I'm going to butcher the French um, because I don't have. But it's the plante et ses applications ornementales, plants and their ornamental applications. It is so staggeringly beautiful. I'm like, I have to like do something to use these images because they are so gorgeous. So anyway, gold star to the New York Public Library for making, I mean, I'm sure it was like, it took a lot of money and effort to to digitize these and make them so available and and tag them and categorize them in a way that they would be useful to anybody. Um, But they're free to use without restriction. So I'll put the link on my site. So if you want to go and check it out for yourself, yeah, it's uh, this. So go to um, happiercast.com slash 73. And I'll have a link there that will take you right right there. So you can start poking around. And if there's anything you need an image for, um, it's there free to use without restriction. That should be a title for a book or something. That's a great phrase. Yes. It just makes you feel like anything is possible free to use without restriction. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Get rid of that useless thing. Let us know if you tried it, what you got rid of, and if it worked for you. Thanks to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you take a minute to rate or review the show, it really helps us. Listeners really respect the view of other listeners. And so when they see those rates and reviews, it really helps them discover the show. Um, It's a big help to us. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.